would you kill a baby? I would hope that the answer to this question is no. But according to the Gallup Research Poll, in May of this year, a total of 29% would say killing a baby should be completely legal, 50% say under certain conditions, and 2% wouldn't even answer the question. No, I'm not talking about walking in and finding a cute little baby in a cradle and murdering it. I'm talking about the baby that you can't see because it's either unborn or it hasn't come out of the womb yet. Yes, I'm discussing the issue of abortion. And apparently, according to Gallup, 79% of us are completely okay with killing babies. Now, I get that abortion is a controversial topic, not one that many people want to talk about or will get too heated about when they talk about it. However, it's not just a question that's facing politicians, and it's not just a question facing the average day person, but Christians themselves are finding that abortion versus pro-life is a question that can be very heated and hard to make. With the recent highlighting of Judge Kavanaugh's confirmation and the idea that he could possibly go in and overturn Roe versus Wade, the abortion topic has been brought up again. But what exactly does this mean for us Christians? And can somebody be pro-choice and that coincide with their belief in honoring of the Bible? I don't want to get political on today's podcast, but instead we're going to dive into scripture and see how when we look at Psalms, we see how David highlights that whenever we look to life before it's even born, that it's important we acknowledge the pro-life stance on abortion today. Because it's not just about, well, I'm pro-life or I'm pro-choice, but it's about the life that God creates. So if you're already triggered, you probably need to listen to this message. And if not, listen anyway, because you might be able to see how the biblical perspective of pro-life is one of the most profound when it comes to the very idea of our personhood. This is Katie Thomas on Being Bold MCR. So I get it. That intro is pretty profound to what we're going to be talking about today. And you'll find that this podcast is unscripted. So some of the things I say might be pretty unfiltered. But the fact of the matter is, is let's all face it. Abortion is one of those topics that you simply just don't bring up in a small talk conversation. Unless you're like me and you really see no problem bringing up the idea of murdering children. But as all that being set aside, abortion is a very heated conversation. So heated that my junior year of high school, my English teacher wouldn't even let us write about abortion. We could write about anything we wanted, except for two things, abortion and smoking marijuana. Because my teacher said abortion is too heated of a conversation, and most of the people who write about smoking marijuana are smoking marijuana while they're writing their paper. So, abortion is something a lot of us either eh, don't want our opinion, want to talk about our opinion on, or it's something that most of us will lose friends over, 40 to be exact. Um, but there's hope because you don't have to convince the person who's never going to understand the love of God that abortion is wrong because they see nothing wrong with it and they see no value to personhood. The question that Christians are facing is to whether to be pro-choice or pro-life because we have a moral standard and a moral foundation that people who don't agree with the word of God don't have. So why would they have to honor life before they're born or have the idea that there's personhood at conception. There's really no reason for other people to. But us people who believe in the word of God and look to scripture, we have every reason to look to scripture on issues of life and death for the unborn. 
And today we're going to look in Psalms, in one of David's songs. In fact, we're going to be looking in Psalms 139, verses 13 through verses 18. Here's the thing. When we read this, don't think of it as just one of those things you've heard before where it's like, oh, the Lord made me, I'm marvelously made. Really think about what David is saying. When we look at scripture, it says, For you, you being God, formed my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and I know this very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days were written in your book and ordained for me before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast in their sum. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I wake, I am still with you. Now, most of us have heard that scripture before because it's the scripture people say whenever they're trying to convince you that the Lord planned your being long, long ago. You are here for a purpose. And where that's not necessarily bad, I think there's a deeper meaning to this that we can find even on topics of abortion. So think about it. When we look to the idea of what abortion is, what is abortion? Abortion is exterminating, getting rid of a pregnancy. This, and I'm putting this the way that politicians who support it may tell you. Before the baby is even born. Because the baby isn't even a baby yet. They're just a fetus and they're, you know, they, they have life but they have no personhood. Or maybe some people argue they're not alive and completely ignore science. However, let's look to verse 13. For you formed my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. That's pretty profound. That's saying God created you. And not just you as in this lifeless body. God created you. He, when the Bible talks about you and your inmost being. It's not referring to you as in your body. It's talking about your personhood. God created your soul, your personhood, and created you as a person and knit you together in your mother's womb. He formed your inmost being, and then he knit you together in the mother's womb. Meaning from conception, from the moment that we're going to get super scientific here, the sperm and the egg come together to create that new cell. The minute that happens, your inmost being and You've been formed. Your inmost being, your personhood has been formed. You've been knit together in the mother's womb. And that's not necessarily talking about knitting together the development in God's creation. But I think rather it's the idea that the minute that conception happens, the Lord has this, you, you have a different DNA. Your DNA is half your mother's and half your father. Your DNA, the instructions for who you are come together and then your development begins to happen because of the instructions that came together. The Lord formed your innermost being, your personhood, and then knit you together in your mother's womb. That DNA, that creating of you. All of that, the Lord did. For you form my inmost being. What does verse 14 say? I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works and I know this very well. Here's the deal. People want to say that, you know, when... When you abort a baby, there's no, there, there's nothing there. It's just a fetus. But even if you were just to go off of the, quote, fetus argument, that fetus is wonderfully and fearfully made, and marvelous are your works, David said. The fact of the matter is, if you're a Christian and you have the foundation of the Bible, you ought to recognize that Christ, Jesus came and loved every person, and every person deserves life. And when we look to God and what he made, God fearfully, wonderfully planned and made each and every one of us. Marvelous are your works, including the, quote, fetus that hasn't been born yet. That is marvelous. That is fearfully, wonderfully made. That is his design. 
as a Christian, you can't just act like you can exterminate life when David clearly writes that we were clear, we were fearfully and wonderfully made, and that marvelous is that fetus, baby, or as some people want to say, clump of cells. No matter what kind of label you put on it, it doesn't change the fact that the inmost being was knit together in the womb and it's fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous is the Lord's work. Then it says, verse 15, My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. I think that this phrase right here is just very telling. Very, very, very telling of the fact that just we we weren't a surprise to God. We We weren't just like, and we weren't made also just like in front of the whole world. Like, here we go. God's knitting together a person. They're spontaneously coming out of the air. No. At conception, when I was made in secret. You know, making is not necessarily referred to as development in scripture. When I was made in secret. I mean, I don't know about anybody else. I mean, I've, I've never had a kid. And I've never, like, been pregnant. But I'm pretty sure to all the pregnant women out there, they don't just know when they're pregnant. Like, have you ever met a pregnant woman who, like, you know, after they did the stuff that, you know, creates a baby, they were like, all right, guys, I'm pregnant. No, no, they have to take, they have to go to Walgreens, they have to pick up a home pregnancy text or go to a doctor and they have to pee on a stick and then they have to figure out, wait for it to test, wait for it to confirm the fact that you're pregnant. Because the fact of the matter is conception doesn't happen in front of everybody. No one's like, you know, I feel like I feel like you just conceived a kid. I like I feel that or you know, no one says I watched you like conceive a kid and I know that you like conceived a kid cuz I actually watched the cells come together. I saw the cells conceive like no one does that. So we look at scripture and it says my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. When you were made in secret, only the Lord knew about the minute that you came into being. The Lord knew the minute and I think that's important. Your eyes saw my unformed body. That clump of cells, it's an unformed body. But the Lord's talking about seeing this person before their body was formed. So as a Christian, you cannot tell me abortion is okay. Because the fact of the matter is that person existed from the moment conception happened, the moment it was created, before the body even formed. The person existed before the body formed. And the Lord saw this. The Lord made that person not in secret. In fact, verse 16 says, Your eyes saw my unformed body. All my days were written in your book and ordained for me before one of them came to be. So regardless of if you even think that personhood begins at conception or later, we see that that person, what would at least become a person if you don't think person personhood happens at conception, those days were ordained before that person was even made. The Lord had a plan has plans for this person. Because the fact of the matter is, is the Bible does support that personhood starts at conception, before the body forms, before all of that. That person is there. Verse 17 says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, how vast in their sum. If I were to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I wake, I am still with you. The fact of the, the reason I include this verse, even though it's a little bit, off of like the the stanza if you will I see on the screen on the computer in front of me how precious to me are your thoughts O God what are God's thoughts about us let's go back up to 14 fearfully and wonderfully made God loves us and that's precious to David and that should be precious to us God's thoughts about us 
and his creation of us. The fact that, you know, as Genesis talks about, we're made in his image, that should be precious to us as they were precious to David. And how vast is their sum? God's thoughts about you, he loves you, you're his child. You have to know it breaks the heart of God the minute that a kid, before their body even forms, is hated enough to get rid of. You know, they talk about, and this is going to be kind of graphic, they talk about how, you know, with chemical abortions, people are able to hold, sometimes when they get rid of, you know, the quote fetus, they can hold it in their hand. And you have to know how awful that is in the mind of God and how awful, and how heartbroken that is. It breaks the heart of God because God loves us and God doesn't wish murder on any of his children. Why do I believe that? Because it says so in the Ten Commandments. And because, you know, Christ called us to love. And even with that basis, and especially looking at the New Testament and after the covenant that Christ made, we see that Christ called us to love one another. And that doesn't exclude those who aren't born yet. Verse 19 says, O God, that you would slay the wicked away from me, you bloodthirsty men who invoke you with deceit. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and detest those who rise against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them as my enemies. Now, I'm not necessarily saying that, like, you know, ah, I, I hate everyone and all, and all this when I, when I look at the scripture. But it's interesting to me that David says, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord, and detest those who rise against you? As Christians, we have a responsibility to not hate the will and the heart of God and to not rise against the will and the heart of God. So if you are pro-choice and you think that abortion is okay, I guarantee you with my full heart, that is not the heart of God and you're rising up against it. And David's saying, do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? I'm not necessarily we have to hate you as a person if you're pro-choice, but we can definitely say that the Lord is not happy with the fact that you detest his word and his children and others. I'm not saying that we need to hate people because, you know, the Lord says to love our enemies. That's what Jesus came and said later in the Bible when he came and later in this timeline. But it's interesting to me still that David talks about how he hates those who hate the Lord. Why do they hate the Lord? They hate the Lord because of what the Lord has done, what, you know, how they have their own pagan ways. They have their own ways. We can see that a lot in today's society. Those who hate God and those who don't agree with God have their own ways, their own prideful ways, their own religions, their own ideas that they believe are higher than God's. And the fact of the matter is, is we, we have to hate those ideas. We have to detest those ideas. We have to live under the truth that God has for us. Because the fact of the matter is, and why this ties into the whole series that I've made to let freedom and truth ring, is that this is the truth about life. Life matters. These lives matter. And that's just the truth of the matter. That's the truth. People don't want to care about truth anymore, but that's the truth. These children matter. And we want to get rid of the idea. We want to cover up in politics. In fact, when we look at it politically, there are so many false statistics out there. There's just so much. But as Christians, we don't just, just have to look at statistics to form our opinion. Our foundation should be the truth and what God says. The reason people don't like Christians when it comes to the idea of being pro-life is because they know that we have a standard for how we act and a standard for how we think. And they disagree with that standard because they disagree with God. And where David detests and hates those people, we have to detest and hate the enemy's attack on the 60 million kids and counting at this point who could otherwise have changed the world and that God loves. We have to detest that. So if you're pro-choice 
and you claim to be Christian, you have to rethink about where your standard is for that opinion. And if your standard is, well, I think blank, then your standard detests God's love and will for his children in this world. And I say that with full confidence. Now, if you're listening to this and you're not a Christian, then your foundation ought to be, you know, why do I hate God? Or if you don't hate God, why do you not believe in him and what he has set forth? Because I truly think that the only way, and I'm not saying you can't be pro-life and not be a Christian, but I truly believe that the pro-life stance is so adequately supported by the standard God provides for life. Because if we all try to define life as, as the judges and um, on the Supreme Court have done and other act- activists in the United States, everybody disagrees because no one has a standard. God provides us a standard. What we see is that today as Christians, abortion is a dilemma that faces us all. And we all have a choice to choose what is righteous, as the Bible says in many other instances, to choose what is righteous or to choose what is wicked. And I advocate that the murder of babies who are unborn, and when I say babies, let's put it in perspective. The murder of persons, persons, before they're born, that's wicked. It's no different than me than killing any other person, whether they be 99 years old or just five. As Christians, we have a responsibility to understand the truth and love of Christ. And that truth and love extends to those persons. I so, I, I so strongly want people to understand this. Because if we start having, and I'm not saying people aren't Christian if they're pro-choice. But if we have Christians who are pro-choice and don't understand the Bible and the standard that God has set forth, it really does have consequences. Almost a million babies a year, persons a year, fetuses a year, clump of cells, whatever you want to call it, those persons, a million of them, killed each year. It's some of the most staggering numbers we've seen in history. And unless there's revival and there's an understanding of what the value of life is reinstituted, not just in the United States, but across the world, then we're going to see these, this slaughter continue. And we're going to see lives changed for the worse. You know, Christ promises that the truth will set us free. And I truly, 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 truly believe that the truth about what the meaning of life is will set our nation that is under slavery of different divisiveness and the idea that life doesn't matter in this death culture. I truly believe that what Christ says and what God and what David writes in Psalms will truly set us free of those opinions and the rhetoric that is simply destroying this world. So I encourage you today, if you need a paradigm shift, have a paradigm shift. Because it's important as a Christian to understand what we believe. Because it's not just about our ideas. And, ah, you know, I, 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 I don't shame people with the Bible and all, all those opinions. It's not about that. It's about something that's much greater than ourselves. Much greater. So this is Katie Thomas. And, you know, I'm very pro-life if you couldn't already tell. But the fact of the matter is if you are too... Share this to those around you who don't understand the Christianity behind what they believe. Because there are people out there who claim to be Christian who don't understand that the word of God supports every life. And it's best to also pray that there's change. Pray for the change. I truly believe 
that change is possible. God says all things are possible with him. And I believe that change can occur and that life can occur and will occur. But it also starts with understanding our standard for morality. So thank you for listening to my talk on why you cannot be pro-choice and a Christian believer at the same time in the sense that your ideas will conflict. And I hope you guys share this podcast and I hope you guys have some insight to what you should be thinking about next time you hear the abortion debate and the ideas and the evidence that supports life and personhood itself. Thank you guys for listening to Being Bold MCR.